If you're an active adult, athlete, or fitness enthusiast, likely you've been burned by the healthcare system, a system that seeks to benefit itself and not you. We are here to show you how to make one degree shifts in your thinking and habits that will course correct your health and boost your human experience. Welcome to the One Degree Physio Show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the One Degree Physio Show. I'm Dr. Caden, and we've got a really cool conversation for you guys today. Uh, I have been following someone on TikTok for a little while. Uh, his name is Nathaniel Nolan. Uh, his TikTok account is at XP Movement, and I really got exposed to Nathaniel first through uh, a suggested video of him talking about adding a minute of doing a bear crawl every day for 30 days. So that that really stuck out to me as like, okay, that sounds like a pretty cool challenge. So I gave it a shot. I tried it out. It's a lot harder than you think. And through the course of time, just watching more videos, I noticed that he mentioned he was in the Indianapolis area. And I was like, what? This guy's doing some really cool stuff as far as his, his movement thoughts are concerned, how he's training, what he does for himself. Uh, and I was like, I got to get this guy on the podcast. I want to talk to him about his experiences and, and where his thoughts are on movement and your everyday life and stuff like that. And he was gracious enough to hop on a talk. And this this is our conversation I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, Nathaniel talks about a lot of cool things, including, you know, what does XP stand for for him, uh, what his background is, what his movement practices are. He dives into a little bit on some pain that he had in his joints that he was able to sort of rehab out of with a very specific uh, movement practice uh, that he has sort of started uh, built around this idea of uh, spending as much time as you can on all fours throughout the day. Uh, so he's, he's an all fours kind of guy. I think he's somewhere around like 240 days in a row of spending time on all fours to try to improve his life and improve his training. Uh, he talks about some really cool things around uh, what he considers to be free training, like little things that you can do throughout the day to sort of help your life and move you in the right direction. So hopefully you guys enjoy this conversation that I had with Nathaniel. I'm going to list his uh, social media stuff in the description of today's podcast. So if you want to scroll on down there and check that stuff out, um, that will all be listed for you. Uh, but this was a great conversation and I can't wait for you guys to hear the rest of it. How's it going? Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, definitely. Awesome. Just wanted to make sure that that's, that's working. Uh, thanks for taking the time to hop on and chat. Uh, yeah, no problem. Th this, this is mostly for my own curiosity because I've been, I've been following uh, your TikTok account for, I don't know, probably like three or four months or so, maybe a little bit more. Um, and then I was like, Hey, I, this guy's doing some cool stuff as it relates to movement and movement practice, how that relates to, you know, physique and, and pain and injuries and things like that. And with, with our physio practice and the very small podcast that we decided to start just to help share some of this information with people, I really wanted to get, you know, your experience, your take, your story for all that kind of stuff. So we can share that with people in our small community and, and see what they can learn from, because I've learned quite a bit and I'm more interested than anything, just to kind of learn more about where you came from and, and where you're at now. So Cool. <clears throat> yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. Um, 
honestly, like since the inception of this whole, like my all fours practice and this journal that I've been putting out, there's been a lot of um, misconceptions and misinformation and, yeah. and a lot of questions. So I'm always happy to like sit down and talk and kind of clear things up because the whole point is like to be as transparent as possible. That's the whole, that's the goal of this journal that I've been putting out for the last like 236 days or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, happy to sit down and, and basically answer any questions. Yeah. So to sort of preframe for for anyone who's, who will be listening, um, I was just scrolling through TikTok and whether, you know, the algorithm must have known that this is something that I would would get involved with. But I saw one of your first, probably with, within the first 30 days of this challenge that you started, that was, uh, you know, 30 days of adding, you know, one minute of a bear crawl you know, for 30 days straight. And I was like, it's like day 16 or something. And I was like, that sounds really, really hard. And so I scrolled through, <laughs> saw some more videos and I was like, yeah, this dude's actually really doing this. And it, it looks like he's, he's seeing some really cool gains and things are getting easier. And so I got, I got hooked from then on and had actually tried the challenge myself and got about 10 days in and quickly realized that that is a huge time commitment. It was tough. It was yeah. Tough. So uh, fill us in a little bit on, on why you started that and, and what sort of that, that first 30 days looked like for you. Yeah, definitely. So um, I've been training for years. I started training uh, calisthenics and body weight movements more whenever I was in like my early to mid twenties. So I didn't do any of that stuff really outside of like gym class calisthenics, um, <clears throat> up until I was an adult. Uh, so I started trying to learn handstand and stuff like that. Um, I'm a coach. So I, before I was just doing like hypertrophy lifting, uh, I have a couple other physical disciplines that I started picking up in my adult life as well, like jujitsu. I wrestled in school, but not like super competitively. Um, so I, uh, had all these different disciplines that I was doing, um, and they weren't very connected. And what I realized is, um, I was experiencing joint pain in the areas where they would intersect, uh, mm-hmm. like my wrists, elbows, my shoulders, uh, because I was, I was um, only working on each one of my physical disciplines at like the highest intensity that I was capable of at the time. So when they would uh, all converge, um, I would end up overtraining. And so I would uh, have issues with all of those associated joints. And so I struggled with that for like a long time, years where I was buying braces. I was trying all sorts of different mobility practices. I was trying everything I could to try to resolve those things and things would have a little bit of an impact and then they wouldn't. And anyways, nothing would stick. Um, so at the beginning of quarantine, I started this plank challenge with a friend of mine, Stacy Cox. And, um, so we would just do two minute plank every day. It was more of a social thing just so we could kind of get on a video yeah. call and do something there. And what I realized is that, that this really low uh, daily practice was starting to resolve a lot of the discomfort I was experiencing in my hands, my wrists, my elbows, like just general achiness. And it was setting me up to have uh, much more successful training days the following day, the following day. So um, that was where I kind of like conceived the idea. I was like, oh, okay. So instead of just working really hard on the days where I'm training this particular thing uh, and then trying to give myself several days to recover in between to prepare for the next one, um, maybe there's something to this low intensity work 
keeping my body mobile throughout the week, making sure that I'm not overdoing it and that I'm giving myself plenty of exposure, but not uh, more than I can handle. And uh, so that's where I kind of came up with the idea of the all force thing, because um, I was like, well, bear crawl is, bear crawl is tough, right? But it's pretty low intensity. Yeah. Uh, like you can do bear crawl for a while before uh, you completely fatigue. Mostly it's just, um, it's just hard. It's just, a, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's very doable. So, um, I played around with the concept for like a week or two before I actually like started the challenge just to see what the impact would be on my body. And I was like, I think I can do this. Like I got up to like five, six minutes and I, um, I was like, this is maybe feasible. Um, so yeah, the idea was just, I was looking for all the places where all my physical disciplines would intersect. Um, and instead of working at my highest intensity, I was going to work at one of my lowest intensities because compared okay. to handstand, plank, even, even jujitsu, uh, where it's a little less predictable, uh, bear crawl is far lower intensity, far more predictable. Um, and it was just, it was just a way to get that exposure in. Um, and it was definitely really hard at first. Uh, if you go back and you watch like season one, you can see like up through day 12, I like signed off almost every video, like, Whoa, that was the hardest day. And then like, people were yeah. like, we get it day every day. And so like, okay. So, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a challenge. And like you said, it's a time commitment as well. Um, you know, <clears throat> it doesn't really seem like much, but like 30 minutes of training and it's not, it's not really that big of a time commitment. A lot of people spend a lot more time in the gym, but for something brand new, something that you're not used to and something that you're kind of layering on top of everything else, uh, it can, it can definitely add a lot more of a time commitment and, um, something that you have to really kind of choose to do. You can't, it's not something that's passive in the background. Uh, so something that a lot of people don't realize is that I actually dropped off almost all my other physical disciplines to start that. Okay. So that was, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to overtrain. Um, and I also wanted to make sure that I was making space in my life for this new thing that I was trying to accomplish because whenever I set out to do something, I try to make sure that I'm at least giving it my best effort. Um, and so that meant shifting some stuff around in my life. Uh, so yeah. And then, um, I had a couple season one was pretty wild actually, just because I knew very little about what I was doing as far as building this practice and what I, what I was trying to set out to do and what was going to uh, come from that. Um, so there was a lot of barriers that I wasn't sure how to handle at first, but, uh, somehow I made it all the way through it. And then after that, it was kind of cruise control. I mean, since then things have only gotten a lot easier. Um, but yeah, I was, uh, the big, I guess the craziest part was just the social media reception, just because whenever I started this, there was, uh, there was, there was none, right? Like, I mean, I would post a video and people would just, the only response I would ever get is why, like, why are you doing this? And it'd be like yeah. one or two comments. And then I had that first sort of viral video, uh, where I showed up my forearms on like week one, we're like, Oh, okay, this is a thing. And then, then people kind of started to kind of get the idea a little bit. Um, so then once it had a little bit of traction, once it had a little bit of momentum, um, it was, it was started evolving from me just, uh, putting out these, uh, journal entries, which it still kind of is, um, but also me sort of trying to impart some of the insights that I was gaining, uh, from day to day. So that way people could maybe start to put some of this into practice themselves. Yeah. So it basically, uh, at first for you, just something you were trying for yourself just to see, Hey, what are the effects? Like, how can I improve, you know, my own training when it comes to jujitsu and some of the other stuff that you're already doing, like what, just a curiosity almost, 
what, yeah. what happens if I switch it up from high intensity to low intensity over a longer period of time? Like what sort of benefits come out of that? And I think it's really cool how, uh, you know, like how did, how did you choose TikTok as your platform of choice, for instance, because that, that seems to be one of those, I think if you were talking about like quarantine time, maybe when this started or close to, or after some of that stuff, it, it was still relatively brand new as a platform. So um, what kind of sparked your idea of, of putting it on there versus, you know, filming it and putting it on YouTube, for instance? Um, well, I think the short format definitely made it easier. Um, whenever I try to set out to do anything brand new, one of my philosophies is to make it as simple and easy as possible, make it as accessible as possible right from the very beginning. It's kind of one of the main yeah. tenets coaching style. And so uh, with YouTube, it's longer format. There's a little bit more editing that goes into it. You can't just kind of put things out there raw and, um, and expect just because YouTube has been out for so long, there's so much like long format kind of crap content out there that people will just dump. And it's just, it'd be impossible to filter through all of it. It's probably never yeah. going to get seen. Um, and then I'd already kind of been messing around on Instagram with like, you know, regular fitness content and it's very polished on Instagram. It's like people posting hyper edited photos and videos. Everything is really kind of staged and, and that's fine. Um, I, I like production, but I just didn't have it in me to do that. And I didn't really feel like it fit this challenge at all because the goal wasn't to present something. The goal was to try something. And so what I really wanted to do is just show people the ins and outs of it, uh, without all the bells and whistles, without, um, spicing it up for content purposes. Um, and <clears throat> TikTok has this sort of authentic nature where everybody's just kind of getting on there doing their own thing and you can, you can get away with that because it's all being pushed to your for you page. So, um, I didn't really know much about it back then. I didn't know nearly as much about how it all works, but it felt to me like the best fit as far as low commitment and being able to be authentic without having to put a lot of work into it. Yeah. And did you find any, any challenges uh, with feeling like, Hey, you know, this is a day after day sort of thing. I know I'm going to commit to doing the movement, but also adding in that extra commitment of getting the phone out and setting it up, recording what you're doing and then doing the talk over and things. Cause you're right. TikTok is very like raw and just kind of there what it is, but there is still a little bit of work that has to go into making sure that it's set up a certain way. Did you find that challenging at all? So um, I think that just kind of naturally fell into um, the format that you see now, which is I would record myself. I would go through and I would clip out sort of the highlights that would be the most relevant to whatever message I was trying to convey or insight that I gained from that particular uh, session, which at the beginning was not long. It was like a minute or two minutes, you know, mm -hmm. so I didn't have a lot of time to make insights. Uh, so I would just record the whole thing. I would, you know, when you're down on all fours and you're just kind of crawling around, I, I, you have a lot of time to think. So I would, I would be kind of coming up with ideas as far as uh, what am I gaining out of this? What am I trying to accomplish with this? This is my, my meditation time. And then I would just kind of blurt whatever I had been thinking about during that. And uh, that's kind of still what I do. So it turned out to be sort of a path of least resistance thing, but because of TikTok's editing tools were so simple, mm -hmm. um, I 
record it, throw it in there, and then I would just record the voiceover in TikTok and um, I'd get the whole thing done in maybe five, 10 minutes. So at first it was like, the, it was so easy to get the content out. And, um, and I haven't really changed much about that since then. You can tell at the beginning, it's like, um, the time lapses. So I was showing basically the whole thing. And I realized at a certain point, people aren't going to be getting as much out of that as if I kind of just honed in on those highlights or the more interesting or relevant aspects of it, especially as the time got longer, because I'd be spending maybe like, you know, on day 30, I'm spending all of the time bear crawls. So like what part of that is actually relevant um, compared to day 29 compared to day 28, which you already just saw. So um yeah it, it was uh it was all just path of least resistance and and like i said it's like whatever took the lowest commitment uh on each day so i could get it done yeah and so now you're at the point where obviously you what is it like eight seasons on tiktok is where it's at now you're in day 230 what did you say day two day 239 240 is going to be end of season eight so yeah we're on okay. season eight right now Perfect. So yeah. So once you got past that first 30 days, uh, and I was kind of flipping through some of the, the transition periods between those seasons, it obviously got to a point where, okay, what's the next logical step? And it turned into, okay, now it's just 30 minutes flat all the way across for season two. Is that pretty much how things have stayed all the way through the 240 some odd days? Are you still sticking to 30 minutes of the all fours practice or has it evolved even further beyond that? So 30 minutes is now my minimum. So basically I make myself get 30 minutes of dedicated time to just being on my hands every single yeah. day. I've, that has given me a lot of success with all of my physical disciplines. Um, it seems to be a good amount of time, but still a manageable amount of time to ask out of myself. Uh, and then throughout the day, I try to get as much exposure to posting on my hands as I possibly can. Um, but I want to make sure that I'm holding myself accountable for at least 30 minutes. So, yeah. So at that point, I started to increase the intensity. I started to focus more on skill-based movements. A lot of the stuff that I had kind of removed, like I said at the beginning, I uh, started trying to integrate that back in while maintaining what I had built over the first 30 days. And yeah. so, yeah, I've because I was like, you know, I can let this grow, but eventually it's going to hit a point where I can't do it. So uh, at that point, it was more, all right, I've got 30 days under my belt um, where, you know, that's a good amount of time to build up a new habit. So if I can just hold myself accountable for 30 minutes a day, I think that I can also then feel comfortable uh, doing more throughout the day outside of that 30 minute commitment. And that's really been the case. Um, but what, another thing that I realized is how much you can accomplish in just 30 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. Um, so this has really changed the way that I approach training all of my disciplines. It's also changed the way that I approach coaching. Um, so before I was coaching people, uh, body weight movements, uh, mostly I would, you know, coach lifting and I was I'm a personal trainer. So, um, you know, I was doing all the conventional things. And this has really helped to shape a new style that I feel like now I have a very, very clear idea of how to get people from A to B um, whenever it comes to things like um, rehabbing, skill acquisition, um, and, and basically taking step towards whatever their goals are instead of saying, here's the playbook. Um, instead, it's like, I feel like I have a lot more, um, a lot more 
of a clear path towards uh, how to do that. And it's because of this all force practice. It's because now I've been there and started a skill set at the very beginning, whereas a lot of coaches, you know, they're, they've kind of get past that point at a certain point. And so now it's like, I'm just trying to impart the information that I've learned. Um, I got to start fresh uh, and, and basically start uh, like at step zero. And it gave me so much insight as to what it's like to do that, because I feel like as coaches, as trainers, as physios, it's, it's easy to kind of forget what it's like to, you know, start at zero and, and to, to not be able to do something right out of the gate. Yeah. And that definitely resonates for sure. Especially when, you know, from our, from my perspective, trying my hardest to blend uh, this traditional idea of, of what people think physio is about versus what coaching has become when it comes to, you know, personal training or CrossFit coaching, things like that. And for me, getting immersed in, into your content has sort of reinvigorated that idea within me of like, Hey, it's my responsibility. If I'm going to be teaching people stuff to constantly try to find new ways to move and, and, and to get into different practices so that I'm well-rounded and I can approach stuff a little bit differently. Cause it's very, very easy when you get hot on a specific type of training methodology, like CrossFit, for instance, um, my first couple of years in it, I was super dogmatic. I was like, CrossFit. This is the only way people should be training because it's the best blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, two months in my shoulders are killing me because I didn't work on strict movements before I jumped into high velocity gymnastics movements. You know, I start to realize like, Hey, maybe I need to backtrack and reapply a foundation and start from zero and starting from zero sometimes looks like more body weight, more control, uh, lower intensity for longer periods of times with certain things. And so that was, that was a really cool, like light bulb moment for me, seeing some of the videos that you've been putting out, like, Hey, how can I incorporate this into how I'm rehabbing people from injuries or teaching them how to just have better control when they're in the gym, going up on the rig and things like that. So that's, that's a really cool insight. I'm kind of happy to hear you say that. And I think some people listening to this might resonate as well. I'd be like, Oh, that's cool that, that coaches are actually thinking about that kind of stuff. And they're not just, you know, trying to make us as big and as fast as possible and, and potentially injure us. And if they're good coaches, they should be right. I mean, the goal of coaching is to be able to pass forward the insights that you've gained from your own personal experience. It's not just about like absorbing information and regurgitating it. If mm-hmm. it were that easy, we'll just coach themselves. Um, you have to have you know, walked that walk to some degree. Um, the other thing, and this kind of reminded me of that whenever you were talking about CrossFit is, uh, something that I really have learned from this all fours practice or re- really have kind of helped to develop and, and, um, flesh out a little bit more is that, uh, training programs like CrossFit or, um, you know, jujitsu, uh, anything like that, where it's a program. You know, it's like do this for this amount or whatever. Um, those are tools and they can be really, really useful. But if you put all your eggs in that basket, if you go in blind, it's not going to serve the purpose that it was intended for. Mm-hmm. So you can't you can't sign up for any program, a class, P90X, um, you know, anything and be able to follow that blindly and expect 
the results to continue coming. And then you also can't expect to maintain those results if ever stopping that program. So at the end of the day, it's just a tool for you. So one of the things that I've started to really implement into my coaching, especially since the all fours thing. So before I was already kind of starting to do this, but it's become much more apparent how important it is, is building that autonomy with my clients. So Basically, it's like, let's build these foundational skills. Let's build this foundational knowledge base so that each time you go into any training session, whether it's with me, whether it's in a class setting, maybe it's just, you know, your own personal practices, you're going into it with the, the idea of what you're supposed to be doing and how to accomplish it, as opposed to relying on this program to solve that for you. Because at the end of the day, no program is going to be able to take into consideration the most important aspect of training, which is you. So it's, it's, it's a trying to layer on external framework to try to kind of squish you into a box and make you a certain shape when the idea is that framework is there. And then internally, you should try to fill that space as comfortably mm-hmm. as possible. You don't, you know, break or give up or, you know, all the other barriers that people run into whenever they try a, a brand new thing. Yeah. And for us, you know, that's, what's one of the things, you know, I get a new person in here. And one of the first foundational principles I try to convey is my, my job is to, is to teach you movement independence so that you don't feel like you have to rely on me for everything for the rest of your life. Cause that's not the point. I mean, how, how good would I be as, as a person and as a professional, if I'm like, Hey, I'm, we're just going to focus on these little things to help you feel better. And I'm just going to keep a bunch of the information to myself so that when you get hurt in a different spot, you have to come back and see me for everything. We want to develop this idea of like, Hey, you can take care of yourself. These are things we can teach you to do for self-soothing. If you've got a nagging shoulder deal or an ankle deal, you've got this toolbox of things that you can learn to help with your training. And that fits in pretty well with, you know, like CrossFit, for instance, Um, it's very easy for people who do CrossFit to do it because, Hey, it's a class setting. A coach is telling me what to do. I don't have to really think about a lot of stuff. I can just go and do it and, and leave. But I'm getting into this, this idea, this mindset lately where it's like, hey, I, I didn't want to impart more independence in the thought process of the athlete, which is exactly what you're talking about. So much so to the point where when they're not in the CrossFit gym and all they have in front of them is maybe a hotel gym or a mountain or the beach or anything that's not like what they're used to. They have mm-hmm. this idea of like, OK, I know what I can do to move well and feel good and still get a good workout. And uh in my personal life, it's like, what, what are different things that I can try that are not CrossFit that can help me express my movement and my fitness? And uh, I think that's really what kind of got me so excited about, you know, looking at what you're doing. I've, I've thought about trying jujitsu for a while, but I'm, I'm just like, man, that's just another thing I got to try to commit to. Maybe one of these days I'll get into it. It looks really, really cool. It's a tough thing. To- it's a tough one. It's And it's definitely a bit of a commitment. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think that like probably at least 50% of jujitsu practitioners are dabblers, myself included. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow I've stumbled my way to brown belt over the last 10 years. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a commitment. I think that what keeps you resilient in training multiple practices is the ability to sort of take a step away from it. But like you said, also that autonomy to be able to ask the right questions. Why am I doing this? Uh, how do I do this? And how does this apply to the other aspects of my life? Because although, you know, it would be ideal if all of these things existed in a vacuum, they don't. 
right? I take, I take my training from my jujitsu yesterday and that is impacting my training today with my one-arm handstand or with my, you know, my all fours practice with whatever it is that I'm working on and that's going to impact tomorrow. And um, so I have to treat all of those things as if they're interconnected. And sometimes that means maybe backing off on something a little bit. What I found to be um, a really powerful tool and a really powerful um, insight that I've gained is that periods of inactivity tend to be the biggest barrier. So if I'm working on calisthenics, if I'm working on jujitsu, if I'm working on anything, um, the one thing that's going to hurt me more than anything is, is a period of inactivity. So, uh, injuries are a great example of that. You get injured and that's a setback, right? But what's really going to hurt you about that injury isn't the injury itself. It's how that's going to impact the rest of your training. And I've seen a lot of people injured and actually come back better because of it, because of the way they've handled that injury um, instead of just like sitting down. But I've seen people who've just gotten a little bit busy in their life and taken a big step away from something and then come back and they've lost way more progress than the person who was injured. So it's about how you address those uh, barriers and forcing yourself to cut down those periods of inactivity when it comes to that specific discipline. Uh, just because our bodies are really, really good at um, allocating resources. They're really, really good at kind of rearranging how we think about things, how we interact with things, depending on what we're doing. So we're programming our bodies through action, basically at all times, which is the concept of my brand, XP, um, and the fact that whatever you're doing, like right now, we're getting XP. Whatever you're doing in your daily life at any given moment, you're getting experience doing that thing, right? So we're getting experience. Like right now I'm sitting on the floor. I, I try to sit on the floor, even like when I'm doing interviews or if I'm, you know, on a client call or something like that, I'm getting exposure to this position um, instead of sitting in a chair where I'm getting exposure to that. And I'm just trying to align the experience that I get throughout the day with whatever my goals are. So it's not bad to be sitting in a chair. It's not bad to be in that shape. If that's a goal of yours or if it aligns with your goals. Um, and so being able to be resilient and, and, and find little ways to start aligning the movements uh, throughout your day, the positions throughout your day, the activities throughout your day with your goals will help to cut down on that period of activity, which I consider to be like the biggest, uh, the biggest barrier. It's, our, it's the biggest boss you're going to fight is, is um, doing things that are uh, separate from what it is you're trying to accomplish. That's yeah. what I consider. You can go do a ton of active things, but if it's not uh, the activity of what it is that you're trying to accomplish, then it's not probably going to be benefiting you in the, in, you know, in the ways that you're trying to make it. Yeah. And that was a big light bulb moment for me, probably two or three weeks ago. Um, I don't know if you're very, are you familiar with, uh, Kelly Starrett? Mm -hmm. Yeah. With the ready state. Yeah. He's a huge influencer in the thought process, this processes behind why we do what we do in our physio practice. Um, and it's very similar to what you're talking about, you know, the instance of like sitting on the floor and being in these different positions so that you're constantly achieving those things in small micro doses throughout the day. And, and for me, I used to have this thought of like, you know, why, why is 10,000 steps on a Fitbit considered one of these metrics for, for health and fitness? And then it dawned on me and I was like, it's because moving more throughout the day is way better than just sitting around and then going and doing a one hour workout. 
you know, that, that one hour workout compared to the entire rest of your day where you're sitting at a desk or sitting in your car and just being an, an average American is, is not going to move the needle forward for you. And so I'm really happy to hear you talk about how, you know, these little, these little things of, of trying to align your experience with the things that you're trying to achieve um, is, is sort of that best way of moving forward and reaching your goals. I like that. Yeah. And to just kind of tack on to that idea of how an hour a day isn't going to move the needle forward. Um, it's, it's that meditating on that and trying to kind of wrestle with that concept of like, okay, if an hour a day isn't going to move the needle for me, like how much more do I have to commit or how can I change that hour so that it does move the needle forward? I was wrestling with all of these ideas because at the end of the day, we're not all like considering ourselves athletes and we still want to be able to gain the benefits of movement. So like, how do we, how do we uh, consolidate these two differing ideas? Um, And one of these sort of insights that I had throughout my force practice is that, and it was something I've been kind of, you know, thinking about up before then, which is part of its genesis, is that um, I was thinking about like, what is a normal gym session? So I was like analyzing not only my sessions, my client sessions, I was like watching people in the gym, I was thinking about all of this. And I was thinking about like, okay, it's all about exposure, right? If I want to be able to get stronger, or if I want to be able to get well, and strength is, you know, multifaceted. So, um, if I want to get stronger or if I want to improve at a skill, like I need to have exposure to that thing. And I was thinking about like a normal, like back and buys workout, right? So a back and I go for a normal pool day. Um, and a lot of the movements, uh, are incorporate elbow flexion, right? So let's say that elbow flexion is what I'm really working on under various intensities and various ranges. Um, so maybe I do five, three to six different exercises for, you know, however many reps I'm doing, depending on what it is I'm trying to accomplish, strength, retreat, whatever. Um, when I total up how much time I'm spending in say just this range, like just 90 degrees, right. Across an entire hour, factoring in breaks, factoring in transitions, factoring in everything. It's like a minute or two minutes. It's like, I'm spending like one or two minutes with my elbow flex at this particular range. Now I'm also spending a minute here and here and here. Right. So, um, I'm not spending much more than that one to two minutes. And that was a huge light bulb moment for me because I was thinking like, okay, well, people do get stronger going to the gym and training for an hour a day, but they're only getting one to two minutes of exposure in that particular range. So that's where I started to make connections with my, how that plank practice was helping me. And I was like, okay, so if I want to just focus on a singular range, all I have to commit is one to two minutes a day. That's really easy. I can commit one to two minutes a day to something. Now, granted, I'm only going to be improving a singular range with that mindset. But if I can think about all the ranges where I really need work, where I really need to improve, Well, if it's one to two minutes, I can do that for several different ranges throughout the day, as long as I can find a place in my normal daily activities where I can fit that in. Uh, So that's part of sitting on the floor, right? Like uh, right now I'm getting external rotation of my hips. I'm getting knee flexion. I'm getting anterior pelvic tilt for extended periods of time. Um, And then whenever I, you know, want to switch positions, now I'm working on internal rotation. And so my goal was like, all right, I'm going to think about the areas where I need the most improvement. 
And I'm going to try to get one to two minutes of exposure on those ranges every single day. Um, and so uh, I came up with this concept. Well, it's kind of a tried and true concept. It's not something I, like I invented. It's just something I've been kind of working on integrating and, and defining. And so I call it free training. And basically that's where you're taking activities where you're already, you're already doing these things, right? You're already walking, you're already doing the groceries or getting your groceries. You're already uh, putting them away. You're already doing your work day. Um, and I'm going to, instead of adding movements to my day, which will add up very quickly, you're like, I really am ambitious about improving these things. So I'm just going to force myself to do them. Well, we're not really good at forcing ourselves to do things for long periods of time. So instead I was like, I'm just going to swap out things that I'm already doing with these new movements that are more aligned with my goals with the intention of getting one to two minutes of exposure in those ranges under various intensities throughout the day. And so I call that free training because you're not spending any time on it. So time is a resource, maybe the most valuable resource of all. Um, you don't have to spend any of that or a negligible amount to be able to improve this thing. In my eyes, that is free training. Um, and so I try to apply as much of that to my life as possible so that way I can cut down on the time that I have to set aside for training. And then I also try to impart that as being sort of our one of our number one tenets uh, for all of my clients that I work with. It's kind of a hard thing for people to wrap their heads around because there's this, uh, there's this, you know, zeitgeist of uh, training has to look this specific way. It has to be in a gym. It has to be these specific movements. And if you take a step back and you realize like lifting a weight is just as arbitrary as, you know, you know, doing bear crawl, right. It's, it's just as, uh, it's just as normal, right? So what is normal is just basically what you've seen most recently. It's what you've had exposure to. Um, and so um, I'm trying to like kind of change people's idea of what they think about training as so that way they can be more efficient and fit it into a more modern lifestyle where maybe training isn't your entire life, but you can still get the benefits of it and you can still get a lot of benefits. Like, Honestly, like I said, I train for like 30 minutes a day and then the rest of it is just all tucked into my life. And in the last eight months, I've unlocked a ton of skills, a ton of strength, but I've also rehabbed like all of my joint pain. Um, and I've done that without having to set aside like, like countless hours to do so. Um, it's been a really, really low commitment. And so I'm trying to get people to start to think about training in that way, but it's tough because uh, it's kind of flying in the face of, uh, everything that they've ever thought about, uh, as far as what training looks like and, and how it should be performed. Yeah. And even like organized training as, as like an activity for people is even still a relatively new concept. I mean, you look back at, uh, you know, we could definitely dive into the rabbit trail of like the change in food over the last six or seven decades and how that's impacted, uh, Americans, but like you look at photos from most people in the fifties and sixties and everyone's relatively in decent shape and formal exercise wasn't really like a, 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 a thing. I actually had a, a fellow who's, who's a patient that said like, Hey, yeah, back when I was a kid lifting weights, you know, was not something that people thought was cool. I mean, it just, it was a weird thing to do. And so now when you think about, okay, now life is busier, food is a little bit less quality all around. People are having to do these organized things and they see it as a, as a barrier to the rest of their lives. And if they can figure out how to unlock what you're talking about, 
like, Hey, how do I rearrange what my daily life looks like outside of going to the gym, going and doing very specific organized training, you end up getting a lot more out of your daily experience than if you only focused on this one little bit. And I think that's, that's really where we're going to start to see a lot of change in, in what the daily experience is like for people. Maybe we have less injuries overall. If we can get more people doing what you're doing, maybe my business ceases to have to be, you know, necessarily what it is. And we're not even doing it the way that most PTs are doing it, but that's, that's a very, very cool concept. And I, I like hearing about that. And you, and you had mentioned in that, that little bit about how layering these things and, and doing more of this free training throughout the day, you know, over this 240 some odd days, you've like all your joint pain is gone. A lot of the injuries and things that have been nagging you for a while have basically disappeared. Can you expand a little bit on, you know, what were you dealing with and how had you noticed that changing over time? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I didn't start doing any of this stuff until like the advanced calisthenics, a lot of the physical practices that I do now, I started in my twenties. So I didn't have this background in gymnastics or, um, or really anything other than, you know, a little bit of wrestling and then just kind of growing up in a, um, kind of farm country setting where I had a lot of opportunity to run around. I think that that's kind of important as a child. A lot of the stuff that you learn, um, as a kid sticks with you through adulthood. So the people who do have a background in gymnastics or they have a background in, in any sort of like real physical disciplines, um, or just the freedom to be able to kind of explore their, their movement and their bodies in that way, they really have no idea of the advantage that they have there. So we're trying to learn that stuff as an adult, you have a lot more barriers. And one of those things is that you've spent an entire life building a body around not doing those things. Right. So I've spent, I spent the first 24 years of my life or whatever, not doing handstands. Right. So they had never, they had never uh, needed to have the mobility, the conditioning or any of that stuff uh, to be able to support weight on my hands. So whenever I went from like, basically just doing like, you know, uh, dumbbell bench press and bench press, you know, every other day or every third day or whatever. Um, and then try to translate that into handstand. It just didn't work out. Like I didn't have the mobility. And so I tried, uh, I had a ton of wrist pain. That was my number one issue was wrist pain because, uh, I would train and then my wrists would get tight, achy and sore. Mm -hmm. And I three or four, four days to rest. And then I would go in through and I would do it again. And they would be feeling better by the end of the third to fourth day. I would do it. And then I would kind of restart the cycle. Well, that's fine, I guess at first, but because I was making good progress on all of my uh, skills that I was working on, um, I was adding intensity and I was comp- uh, repeating that pattern that, that over and over of just recovery and, and, uh, training really, really hard. And I thought that's how it worked because I was seeing progress. Um, but what happened was I was developing chronic injuries. So that soreness and that achiness turned into kind of a sharp acute pain. And then I was still kind of trying to apply the same thing. So at a certain point it was like, I can't do this any longer. The pain has become too much. I can't even train handstands anymore. Uh, because it hurts to put my hands on the floor. I can't do push-ups. I mean, it got to the point where I was like trying to lift a pan and that hurt my wrists. I felt very crippled. And I was like, kind of got to a point of desperation where I'm like, I don't think I can do these things anymore that have kind of become a big part of my identity and my, um, what gives me happiness. So, um, 
I started trying to kind of find whatever fix I could, all these different mobility programs, all these different stretching routines, uh, did a lot of reading. I, I, I read, this was actually back in like 2015, whenever I uh, read Becoming a Supple Leopard. Mm. And, and I started to kind of uh, see some of the some of the paths to success, but I wasn't really sure how to stick with them. And it was like a little obscured. So even whenever I would stretch, I was like, okay, well, my wrist mobility, by the way, is not good. So if you see me doing things like jump onto my hands from my feet and land in a handstand, this is somebody who can't even, can't even extend their wrist past 45 degrees. So I was like, okay, there's some sort of act happening here where I'm never going to have that much mobility in my wrist, the kind I see other people having, am I never going to be able to do these things? Um, and then I, uh, I realized like, okay, well, I'm never going to be able to stretch my wrists into having that level of mobility. I just, it's not in the cards for me. I spent 24 years not doing that. I think I would need probably another 50 to ever be able to accomplish it to offset all of it. Not because um, you can't make improvements in your mobility, but because I'm still spending the bulk of my day in wrist flexion or in a neutral wrist state. So I'm just not, I'm not spending, I'll never spend enough time there to offset all of, of, of that. So um, I was like, well, now I need to, uh, I need to come up with a way to where I can start to, to improve how my wrist uh, and my elbows and my shoulders perform, but I can't wait around until my mobility improves. So I started to focus on conditioning and I realized that, um, I could go through and do like low intensity movements all day long, um, under certain days. And I could, and I could do really high intensity movements under other ranges. So I'm like, I'm only going to operate in the ranges where there's no pain. And that again, became another super important tenet of my training philosophies, which is if it hurts, like don't do it. And you hear coaches say things like that all the time. Um, but I don't think that they really, a lot of people really understand how to apply that whenever it comes to a training practice, because again, if it doesn't fit into a program, then we're kind of left without an answer. And so people just end up doing it anyways, or they end up not doing it all together. And it's like, mm -hmm. neither of those are going to cause any progress. Um, they're always going to cause setbacks, both of those options. So there has to be something else. It can't just be waiting around and it can't be powering through it. Um, and so I was like, I'm just going to just do the work that I can in the ranges that I can. And I, each day I show up, I'm going to ask my body what it's capable of. And I'm only going to do what it is capable of and no more. Um, and hopefully not much less. And that has allowed me to blow past all of those barriers where before I thought I'm never going to do a handstand again. And now you see all the stuff, you know, that I do on a daily basis. So, um, it's, it's really been a discovery process, but, um, but it's been incredible to be able to regain that ability and be able to regain that functionality out of my body because there was a point not that long ago where I thought that was all done for, for me. Yeah. And that, that probably will resonate a lot with people who are in the same boat with whatever it is that they, that they practice, you know, like they get into this painful spot and it's that, that, you know, the physician's telling them just, Hey, stop doing that thing. But then maybe they've got a coach that's just saying, Hey, tough it out, work through it. You'll be fine. But understanding like, where's, 
where can we scale and modify a movement that allows us to hold as much of the traditional movement, the original movement as possible, but keep it within a range that is either super low pain or no pain at all and get stronger there so that we have the same exposure without having to be like done with it altogether. You know, and, and it's one of those things like, let's say handstand pushups, for instance, since we talk about handstands and CrossFit, it's one of those things where maybe people don't have the strength to support their own body weight, even up against the wall to be able to lower themselves and push back to the top. So what's the next best thing? Well, if you turn a handstand pushup right side up, it's just a shoulder press. So can we get either a light barbell that's got them in some wrist extension or some dumbbells in their hands if their wrists are a problem at a lighter load and still hold core tension and press, still get the stimulus of the shoulder press, just not inverted. And then slowly walk into like, maybe it's a pike push-up, uh, get your feet up on a box, get you closer to supporting your body weight and things like that. But it's just this idea of like, we don't have to completely stop. We can just modify it and work within ranges that aren't going to kill us. And then eventually doing more of the movement gets us out of pain and to the point where it's like, yeah, you were having so much wrist pain with doing your handstands. And it's like, okay, how can I keep doing my handstands without them hurting? Okay. This is as much motion as I've got. So I'm going to train here and see what happens. And then you got there and now you're doing like, I think the last video that I saw, maybe you've got more by this point, it was like a, a PR of six freestanding handstand pushups. Is that, has that gotten better? Yeah. So now like when I, when I first put out the day 30 update, I was like, I'm going to try to do as many as I can. I got six and yeah. uh, a lot of people trying hard enough it's like i'm not going to completely sacrifice the form of what constitutes a handstand push if you'll do more so that that was my max at the time six now i can like uh do multiple sets of eight or nine um on any training day that i do handstand push-ups which is a couple times a week so it's yeah. it's gone from on my very best day six once to like eight or nine multiple times multiple times a week so awesome. yeah i'm still big progress with that. My, my main thing is to just not, and this is one of the reasons that I need to have multiple disciplines is that if I am kind of an obsessive person, whenever it comes to progressing things, um, you get a big dopamine bump. It's so fun to work on these things. If it's something that you enjoy doing like me. And so if I'm just working on one thing, I'm sitting around like just anxiously waiting to get better at that thing. And I will force myself or I'll accidentally end up overtraining and something like that. So, um, I've tried to take a really chill approach to like things like my handstand pushup, my one arm handstand, which was one arm handstand has like been the biggest barrier I've had as far as movement goals go, just because I'll get really close to it. And then I'll start to rush the process and end up with a setback, mm -hmm. like an injury. Um, so now I just have all of them and I'll just kind of oscillate and each day I show up and a lot of people ask me like, what is my training regimen? I show up and I think back on, you know, what the previous week's been, how long it's been since I performed a movement, how, how long has it been since I had exposure to those ranges under that intensity. And then I asked myself, what am I capable of that day? Something you just said that I kind of wanted to touch on though, that um, really resonated with me is that uh, people tend to, um, people tend to start off at the highest intensity or rather the version of the movement that they see that they think they want to perform. Mm -hmm. um, and then when it doesn't work, then if they're wise, they'll scale it back. Right. And that's kind of like been 
the that's a good approach, right? That's been what has been considered as a good approach up until this point. Um, and one thing that I've kind of realized is that that's only a partial answer is starting as heavy as you imagine you can do, or maybe just, maybe you can't even imagine yourself doing it. Maybe you're just checking, right? But at that point, you're exposing your body to, to ranges and intensities that you're not sure of. And then you can easily end up with an injury, some sort of setback, or maybe you're just going to be discouraged by the fact that you can't do it. So instead of starting super heavy and then scaling it back, like try to do a handstand pushup, it doesn't work. And then switch to overhead press. What I try to get everybody to do starting from the very beginning is to find the, think about what it is you're trying to accomplish. Handstand pushup, find the lightest version of what could constitute that same movement. Start there instead. Don't even try to do it. Start at the lightest version. Worst case scenario, you do it. That's the worst case scenario. You did it, right? Then you can try a slightly heavier intensity. You can try more range of motion. But before ever attempting to do something that you're not sure of, pick something that you're like, that's remedial for you, something that you are completely sure of, do that, and then work your way from there forward, as opposed to hurting yourself or uh, discouraging yourself or whatever the barrier is going to be from that and then trying to scale it back. It sets these expectations in our minds that we're super far from our target goal. And it also, like I said, comes with all of the risks of injury and, and all of the other associated things uh, with um, trying something that you can't do. So um, that's actually the biggest barrier I have with new clients generally is getting them to start small enough. So like I'll start with somebody new and I'll be like, all right, what are your goals? And they'll lay them out for me. And I'm like, all right, well, here's a version of that. And it's really light. I want you to try to do this every single day for a week. I want you to try to do this, this version of this movement every single day. And just start there. If you can do that, cool. We're going to make it harder. But if you can't do that, if you can't do it every day for a week, if you can't do, you know, this particular movement, then why would you ever try to go forward? Why would you ever try to do the next hardest thing? right? Why do you need to jump forward? If this is going to be a lifelong practice for you, if this is something that you're going to want to spend a lot of time on, which you have to advance stuff, why would you want to skip over all of the, all of the foundational stuff that's going to give you success? Um, And it's really hard for people. It's hard for people to wrap their heads around the idea of, okay, well, I, you know, you'd be able to do 30 pushups consecutively. So why are you having me do 10 pushups once a day? It's like, okay, well, I'm not going to ask you to a max out every single day if you could, but also can you do that right now? Like, have you been doing that every day up until this point? If you already do 30 pushups every day, then sure. We'll start you off there. But if not build that habit, build that consistency of doing something that's well below your max to help prepare your body for it. And I always try to give people the example. This is sort of my go-to metaphor is like, if you're going to go and like heavy squat, uh, you're going to go through and you're going to try to perform your heaviest squat or, or a heavy squat. Um, are you going to just get out of bed after laying down for three days? And then that's your next activity. Probably not. Or are you going to get out of bed after three days of not walking around or using your legs and then do a little bit of localized stretching. And then you're going to have success squatting. Like if you think about it that way, it's like, no, obviously not. Right. We all know what it's like 
laid up in bed for a little while and then just getting up to go to the bathroom is tough, right? So I'm not going to stack a bunch of weight over me. Well, that's what it's like whenever people try to go do a handstand or handstand pushup or planche or, you know, cartwheel or anything super heavy is like, when's the last time you bared weight on your, um, on your hands? When's the last time and how, how long were you doing it for? And what were the intensities at? How did it feel? And if you don't have all of those answers, then it's kind of silly to expect your body to be able to perform this thing, right? So, um, so give your body exposure to those low, low intensities under all those ranges, check, make sure if, 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 if you're experiencing any issues at all under those low intensities, you're not prepared. You're, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. And then, and then you can gradually increase those intensities. You can gradually increase those ranges. And the whole time you're, you're mapping out what your capability is, but you're also developing a lot more capability in the process. Because again, you're waking everything up, you're preparing it, you're priming it for the next day's training. Um, and, and, and it's just something that people kind of take for granted. That's why lower body movements are so much easier for people to train generally is because we already walk every day. We have to, to get from A to B. If you had to bear crawl from A to B, right. There'd be a lot more people doing handstands just naturally. They'd be figuring it out on their own. And so that's why yeah. I try to tell people start really super small on anything. And you can even probably figure it out on your own. Like I, 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 I like to think about form and, and technique as being just tools that are in the background that are useful later on, but that foundational strength, that consistency, and that um, sort of knowledge about how to challenge yourself but not take it too far, all of those things are more important than any particular movement. Um, and so to just kind of wash your brain of, of what it is that you see yourself doing and instead start really small and see what it can become because it's probably going to be a lot better than what it is that you ima uh, imagined initially. Yeah, that's incredibly valuable because I, I tend to fall into the trap of like, you know, with, with CrossFit coaching, especially because it's a group setting, it's a class, you've got the, the programming is already written out for, you know, what is the, the prescribed workout? What are the prescribed movements? What are the, the things that we're trying to achieve for the day? You get caught up. Uh, I think a lot of coaches probably suffer from this, getting a little bit lazy. And it's just like, you know, Hey, we're doing handstand pushups today. Uh, if you can't do them, this is what we're doing instead. Um, but not really taking the look at like, okay, maybe let's ask some questions first. You know, I can scan and survey the class and be like, Hey, who has done handstand pushups in the last week or two, get a hand raise. Uh, for those of you who haven't yet, have you attempted a handstand pushup or tried getting upside down on your hands recently? Have you been on your hands recently for any reason? Like, and really start diving into to that kind of stuff where it's like, you know, that light bulb kind of hit when you were like, Hey, if more people bear crawled more often, it'd probably be easier for them to handstand because they're getting that constant exposure of bearing weight through their, their palms and their wrists and their shoulders. And that transference of skills becomes a little bit easier. There's not as much of a barrier to going from never putting your hands on the ground to all of a sudden asking somebody to be close to upside down and support their body weight. It's a really, really tall order. Uh, and I sometimes ha have gone back and forth and been in that mindset of like, well, what if I just start somebody at a level that, that maybe they can do. And if they fail, I'll just scale it back when it's probably an easier confidence builder to be like, Hey, let's start a little bit lower, see what you're capable of. And if that's like way too easy, great. Let's, let's add a little bit more and see where that, that pinnacle is of what your skill set is for that time. So that's, that's super, super valuable. I'm definitely going to take that on. 
Yeah, but but to be fair, I mean, it's challenging. It's challenging in a in a group setting to say, okay, you know what, you, I'm going to single you out, and you're going to do this other movement that everyone else isn't doing. Well, people yeah. look around they themselves. Uh, they think everybody else is judging them. And so it's like, no, now I've got to try that thing too. Yeah. And so that, like, in a group setting, it can be a little dangerous because you've got, you've got everybody else sort of reflecting what it is that you think you should be accomplishing. When in reality, even in a group setting, it's still a personal session. Like it's still a personal, it's still a personal uh, experience. And so like I teach group fitness and I, I have for years and I probably always will because I like the experience of working with people in that setting. So I, I always try to keep a couple classes of, you know, some sort of group fitness um, because it's where I get to interact with people in that particular mindset. Once I start working with people one-on-one, then they, that starts to kind of dissipate. They really start to come around to my way of thinking or this way of thinking. And I no longer have to, you know, I don't ever, no longer have to think about things in those terms. So I, I try to stay um, in some capacity in this group fitness environment because it keeps me aware of the fact that that's a barrier of being in a group of people and how to address it. Because I mean, like I said, I do jujitsu. I you know I've, I do all sorts of things where I take classes for my own personal benefit, and I want to make sure that while I'm in there. I'm understanding what everyone else is thinking and, and, and how this is affecting them uh, just from a curiosity standpoint, but also from me wanting to be the best coach that I can be and be the most, uh, you know, useful resource for the people that I'm working with. And my advice I would give to anybody, and this is what I do for, tell everybody that I work with in a, in a group setting. And it's, it's, again, it's like, it's a, it's a mental shift. So it's kind of uncomfortable for a lot of people at first, but once you get it, it's really useful is to each time you come into a class, whatever's being asked out of you is merely a suggestion. Everything that's being asked out of you is merely a suggestion. It's merely a, a direction. It's, it's uh, again, at the end of the day, it's a tool. And so you show up and say maybe you're doing a group fitness class where like a, a instructor is is demoing something at the front of the class right they're not asking you to do that thing if they're a good coach they are asking you to do the best version of it that you can do right now in that moment and that may even change within that that class maybe you warm up a little bit and that version will change but start off with the version in that moment that you can do that's what they should be asking you to do mm-hmm. right and more you come to those classes, the more you repeat those activities, the more clearly defined those goals should be. Maybe it's a push-up, right? Uh, so I see a lot of people that go to group fitness classes and make like no progress over years. They'll have like 600 workouts under their belt and like literally make very little progress other than just a little bit of more caloric expenditure because they don't have a clearly defined goal in their mind. And they've already kind of allocated this movement to this um this, this, uh, what's being asked out of them. So it's like, okay, push up. Well, that means this, that means this range of motion, this intensity, this version of it, no modifications required. And it's like, if you do that, you'll never get better at that thing, right? You'll never get better at it. If you're not trying to create progressive overload, if you're not trying to explore new ranges, and if you're not being honest with yourself about how to start. So, um, I always try to tell people like, first off, first and foremost, figure out what you want to get out of that class. 
what is it that you're trying to accomplish? Then through the help of the coach, through the help of some research, through the help of listening to podcasts, whatever it is, all the multitude of resources that we have at our disposal, figure out what it is that, how it is that you're going to accomplish that thing. Um, so if like, say your goal is to get better at push-ups, right? Well, you're going to take a group fitness class and push-ups is going to be a portion of that. Okay. Do everything right. But when you get to the push-up portion, that's your time to really focus on what it is your goals are and try to do your best to improve the ranges, to be honest with yourself and make sure that you're doing the intensity that you can do at those ranges with no pain, without making a ton of compromises um, and compensations. And that over the course of a pretty short amount of time, a few weeks, maybe a month or two, you're going to start to see big improvements in that skill set. And then just copy and paste. Do that with each new goal as you accomplish it. And the more you do that, the more confidence you'll have in the process, but also in your ability to choose the goals and to figure out how to accomplish those things. And, and then you can, you can get anything you want out of pretty much any class um, because you're, you're not waiting around for the class to imprint a skill on you each time you go in, you are working on that thing within this format that uh, is mostly just to get you moving, right? I think that's probably the goal of most businesses is to just give you a setting where you can feel comfortable moving around and you have the resources available to you. Yeah, and I, that's, that's good if we can like that first step and kind of that most important thing is like that individual sort of movement freedom and responsibility of like you as the athlete have to take that on in yourself and understand like, Hey, these are the things that I can do for myself because I know that the coach is going to help me when they can. But if I want to see major change, I have to take some ownership into like paying attention to exploring new ranges, getting into new positions, trying new things, stuff like that. And I think on a coach's level as well, whether you've got a one-on-one coach or a group fitness coach, being able to, spend your time wisely and, you know, see and correct, move around, get hands on each individual athlete as the class is progressing through and giving them those touching points. I think we can really start to see some, some big progress um, nationwide when it comes to all types of movement practices and things like that. Um, I know we're kind of coming up a little bit on the end of our time frame that we've allotted for each other. So I wanted to uh, just kind of ask, like, what are some future plans that you have, uh, past, you know, what you're doing right now? Are there any uh, goals that you have for yourself moving forward? Any things in the background that you, you want to try to achieve? Yeah. I mean, right now I'm making tons of progress on all of my disciplines. So I'm trying to avoid pushing the pace on any of those. I'm just going to let all of those kind of background. Um, right now, I think with my TikTok and with my, my social media and all of that, my goal right now is to basically be able to impart all of the stuff that we're talking about today in a way that's only going to create value for people and, and no detriment. So I get asked on like a daily basis, like, what's your regiment? What's some tips? What's your, you know, what is your daily routine? Blah, blah, blah. And I really avoided putting out any hyper specific stuff. And I really have avoided long-term long form content where I'm showing people exactly what my all force practice looks like only because I don't want to be copied. And I don't, and, and people ask me about the 30 day challenge all the time. I always tell people go at your own pace. I always say that's my like my immediate response is go at your own pace adding a minute every day isn't necessary to see progress. You can do one minute every day for 30 days and see progress. You know, you have to find what works for you. 
So, um, you know, I have tons of people asking me for programs and I could write up a program, right? I'm a coach. I have the capability to do that. But the goal is more of this, this mental shift towards uh, applying these philosophies to your life and in a smaller part, your, your training. Uh, so that way any program will fit and, and you don't necessarily need one in general. So um, I'm trying to figure out a way where I can convey that in a way that it can't be used for harm, even if somebody really tried to. Yeah. Um, anything I'm putting out is only going to be bringing good into the world and making people feel better. Yeah. And right now I've been kind of workshopping a lot of different avenues for how to do that. And I'm trying to approach it from different angles, but that's kind of my main goal right now is to figure out a way to take this this message and this information that I've gained from my all fours practice and from uh, tying all of my practices together through that and create some sort of product or some sort of message that is small and digestible enough for the masses uh, so that they can get use out of it. Yeah. I almost imagine it being sort of like the all fours practice is a, is a, is a conduit or an example for the philosophy itself, the overarching idea or the mindset around what it is that we're actually trying to achieve. But like it, I'm hearing you say, basically the goal is not to get people to do the all fours thing specifically to do it. It's to understand that the all fours stood for something that was more broad spectrum. It, it's, it's the choices that you make on a daily basis that are going to help you achieve whatever it is that you're trying to achieve in your life. Exactly. Like it can be applied to things that don't even involve putting your hands on the floor it can be applied to any, any physical discipline for sure. But even beyond that, you know, mental disciplines, um, you know, anything you're trying to change in your life, it's about, you know, approaching it from a perspective of starting from zero, assessing every single time, staying present, and then having these these tenants, these training philosophies that are going to basically help keep you in boundaries that are going to keep you safe. And, and yeah, it doesn't have to be all fours, but the all fours, like you said, is an example. It's an example of how it can work. Um, but these are, these are my physical disciplines, right? Like not everybody does jujitsu calisthenics and, and, you know, lift weights even none of, nope, not everybody does that. So it's about figuring out how that those concepts apply to your life and then being able to apply those in an effective way. So once I get that figured out, maybe I'll write a book or something. I'm not sure. I'm not sure kind of what the direction of, of uh, information consumption is uh, going these days, but um, yeah. I'm trying to figure out that, that it's going to work that will be the most consumable and most, uh, most effective for people to be able to kind of instill these concepts. Yeah. Whatever it is, I'll tell you what, I'll be one of the first ones to order it. Uh, and here's a little piece of advice. I've, I've been moving towards consuming books, audio format, and listening to the authors themselves read the books is a way more fun way of, of digesting that content than having like some random person reading it. Um, and I personally spend so much time in the car driving from where I live to where I work that audiobooks are great. So if that's something that's on your mind in the future, take that for what you will. There's my little nugget of that's what I would in, enjoy. So that, that example of free training, right? You're, you're, yeah. you're driving, right? Might as well learn something in the process. You're just sw swapping out something for something else. That's more aligned with your goals. So right. uh, well, that's a great example, a great uh, suggestion. So maybe you'll hear an audiobook 
from me sometime soon. Sweet. Awesome. So uh, go ahead and plug yourself real quick for the people who maybe don't read the descriptions in the podcast. Uh, where, where can they find you on the internet? TikTok uh, at XP Movement. Uh, I couldn't get that handle on Instagram after that first video blew up. Somebody kind of took that right away. So I'm not going to purchase that from them. If you're out there, I'm not going to purchase that from you. Um, so it's annual at annual Nathaniel on Instagram. And then it's at XP Movement as well on YouTube. So you can find me okay. at any of those. And then, uh, yeah, if, if anybody like has any ideas of, of content, I try to avoid taking too many suggestions for my TikTok because I want to keep it sort of this pure journal where I'm not judging myself and I'm not pandering. Um, but for my other social media platforms, I'll pander all day. So yeah, if anybody has any suggestions or anything they want to see, those, those are the places that you're going to want to reach out to me as YouTube or Instagram. Yeah. I, and I have a, a small presence on YouTube. That's the one that I tend to have the most fun with doing. And I, uh, I've been trying out uh, doing parts. So in order to keep long form content shorter, just basically splitting it up into like four and five part things. And, you know, you do part, basically that's what your TikTok account is. It's just parts, it's days of this, 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 and this. But if you have a big idea that you want to convey to people, maybe hop on, do like a minute and a half, like regular format video, but like tease what's coming up next in other parts, that might be a way to keep people watching. Um, YouTube shorts has been really fun too. Yeah, I, I put up a couple shorts. I put up the first season um, and a couple other little videos. But yeah, I kind of really need to invest a little bit more time in that, make it a little more episodic, like uh, like you were talking about or something. Yeah, awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. This was really, really valuable. I liked learning a lot more about you know your thought processes behind movement and how that's, that can move into a lot of different areas. I'm definitely going to start implementing a lot more of those that mindset and the, you know, the free training, I think that's one huge nugget for me that if I can just get myself to be exposed to all these different areas throughout the day, it'll make my life a lot better for sure. Um, so I appreciate your time and this, this was super awesome. Yeah. And if you ever have any more questions or anything, you know, feel free to reach out to me and I'd be happy to talk about it some more. You can tell I have endless words to say. So yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Sweet. All right, man. See ya.